welcome you guys. If you guys don't know who I am, I'm uh, lead pastor here, Pastor Rich Brown, for our guests. And well, if you're a guest this morning, what we do, we, we take God seriously, but we don't take ourselves seriously. And we believe everyone needs some fun and a laugh because I know the week you've had with 100 degree heat. And hey, good to see you. All right, when you moving back? Yeah. All right. Tomorrow. Good to go. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had a moment. Anyway, um, you've been coming out. We like to, again, we don't take, we take God very seriously, but we take ourselves non-serious. So um, really, if you've been coming for a while, you know we're in the book of Acts. We're actually going to go ahead and go into chapter six today. Again, if you look in the name of it this time, it's fire bearers. And I'm going to cover that. Uh, we've been talking about the fire of God, the Holy Spirit, and how it enacted and, and how the Holy Spirit was able to motivate a church and create a church and how God was able to do great things. Again, if you have missed part of the series, you can go on to the gracepoint.com, go to our media section, and tap on that. And all the sermons there, and that also with some notes that you can follow through. Um, and you can do your self-study because we want you to become disciples. So you can do that at your home if you miss on it. Because I know it's summertime and some of us miss some Sundays. So. But it's been an excellent thing. If you know about the book of Acts, chapter 6, actually we're going to close the chapter on the, actually the church in Jerusalem. And then we go on to 7 or 8 next, depending on what the Holy Spirit wants to do. But we're going to close on Jerusalem. So it's an interesting thing. We talked about how uh, uh, Jesus ascended, sent the Holy Spirit, church was created. Saw a lot of great things happen. They became fellowship with God and fellowship with one another. And we saw some of the things they went through. They went through some persecution from the outside. And we talked about that. And then they went through some persecution. Well, went through some turmoil on the inside when Ananias and Sapphira, when we talked about last week, first sermon we ever talked about, God's grace when two people die. And if you go on to chapter 5 all the way down, you see they went through some more persecution. And they got locked up. And angels showed up, broke Stephen, I mean, broke Peter out, broke the guys out. And they had an ultimate, there was a thing that took place. Some of the leaders were saying, there's something different about these guys. We lock them up, angels come and get them out. And they had a big discussion. And the guy said this, look, we had uprisings before. We've had changes in our nations before, but it all came to nothing. But I think something about these guys, about this church thing or the, or the way, if God is in it, guys, we cannot stop it. Amen. Which takes you all the way down to verse 42, chapter 5. You can open up there. And they do. They went back to doing what they always do. They got in trouble for going to church and having life groups. Every day in the temple, from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus to Christ. And they kept it simple. And you saw how God added to the church, and it grew up. Now, if you look at Acts in the first six chapters, you think, that happened in 24 hours? No, we're looking at now about a four-year period when we get chapter six. So God is in the process of building people and building his church. Nothing's instantaneous. That's one thing I like about when you read the Bible, sometimes it happened right away. No, God give us some time. God put some space in there. So he, he knew that we try to take it and make it so fast, instantaneous, we'll put it in a book and try to sell it. And we read the books. So we get down to chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. Another turmoil. I call this one a distraction. How many of been going down the road or just focusing on something and you get distracted. I'm not good at typing and answering the phones. 
Because the minute I'm in this doing something and the phone rings, I kind of forget what I just put in there. And I might put it in there twice. That's why I have Miss Donna reread my stuff. Because sometimes I put it online, Pastor Rich can't spell. Must have been a phone call. <laughs> and it was a distraction. And it happened from inside the church. And you know, we're going to look at how diverse the church was. Three things happened, verses 1 through 7. The first one, there was a complaint. The second one, there was a solution. And the third one from that solution became an outcome. And let's look at the complaint. The complaint. Verse 1, chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, if not, it's on the screen. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because of the widows were being neglected in their daily distribution. Now, some words in there you're saying, what is a Hellenist? <laughs> Glad you asked that question. I asked that when I went to Bible school. What is that? That is the Greek Jews in the church that had Greeks who were Jewish, who weren't born in Palestine. They were born outside of Palestine. And as they got older, they came back into um, Jerusalem to live out their days. In those days, the, the widows were the poorest in the nation. And then you had, and they spoke Greek. And then you had the Hebraic, the Hebrew Jews, they come Hebraic. They spoke Aramaic, different language. But they were the favorite people in the city. So as you know what happened when you have growing pains, someone might get left out unless you reorganize some things. And you'll see that this is the first part of the church when they had to reorganize because the church is an organization, but it's also an organism. Okay, when it's an organism, that means you make changes as things start to get bigger or start to change. When you try to run it as an organization, you will miss out. That's why it's fluid because God's always grown. If you ever been to the big island of, of Hawaii, they'll show you the picture of it. You see it then, what it looks like now, and they'll show you a picture in 10 years what it's going to look like. It's still growing because it's on volcanic rock. So it's always evolving. Well, God's kingdom is always evolving. And we have to evolve with it. The plan never changes, but the way things happen have to change. So they were needy, the Greeks, because they had no family there. So they needed, they were missing the daily distribution. So then you see in this area here, different languages, different cultures. And there was already a schism already. Reminds me of a church. You know, the 18, we got the, where's the, where's the teenagers? The teenagers... Their, their uh, language is this. I know I'm going to pick on them. I know this. The struggle is real. <laughs> Even though I have, you know, we pay for everything. And then I got my college students. More and more I learn, this is sick. You're sick. I'm like, and am I good? Was that good or bad? And then you get over here to adults. They said, who's sick? Who's sick? Are you sick? Who got sick? No, you're sick. Really, you're sick, man. Like when I was growing up, you were bad. When you were bad, you were, awesome. you were somebody. But when I grew up in the house, when I was bad, I was bad. I was in trouble. <laughs> so languages, trying to figure out the language and trying to minister to all the languages through the lens of Christ. Trying to do that. That's the church. We don't see that when we look at the book of Acts. She said, oh, that was a little. No, it's all the different people came together. That's why I call about every nation. All different walks of life was in Jerusalem at that time trying to live a life and build a church in Christ with different languages and different needs. 
They didn't get the distribution. So one thing you can get a principle, whenever a problem breaks out, you have to hit it right away because it's going to split the church, which spoke to me because every time this seemed like there's an issue sometime, I'm slow to react. This which spoke to me personally. But they were quick to react because they wanted to make sure nothing destroyed what God was building. God builds miraculous things, but men will tear it up if we're not careful. Everyone making sense? So there's a problem. There was a comp. There was a complaint, which really became a distraction. Because remember, I told you last week, whenever something happened, you stop what moving. You stop moving. So there's a solution. Let's go to the solution number two. And the twelve summoned the full number of disciples and said, "It is night that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick from you seven men of good repute, full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom." When you look at the word full of the Holy Spirit, that means they were controlled by the Holy Spirit, which gave them wisdom. When you're talking about the word full of the Holy Spirit, empowered, that means you're being controlled, not by your flesh, but by the Holy Spirit. I call this the Magnificent Seven, whom we will appoint to do this duty. But we'll devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. And that pleased the whole gathering. They chose Stephen a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, who became an evangelist, Philip, Prochorius, Nicanor, Taman, Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte. Now, when you see that word proselyte, he was a Gentile converted into Judaism. See the mixture of the churches, and of the thing inside the church? I love this. Proselyte of Antioch. And they sat before the apostles and they prayed and laid hands on them. If you know about laying on hands, that's conferring authority and, and, and um, position for people. One thing about it, there was a problem in the Greek camp. So the solution was, let's go ahead and grab everyone here whose name comes from a Greek background. You ever notice when you, someone will say, well, when, when are you going to do something for the singles? And they're single. You know, it's one thing to say when, when it's, when are you? Since you're single, you fix it. Greeks, let's pick the Greeks. They know the culture. Let them fix it because they're all murmuring. So don't murmur, fix it. Make sense? Isn't that amazing? Problem solving in the Bible. When the church is growing. So fix it. Whenever you say, hey, what are we going to do? Look at if this involving you and your culture group. When are you going to do that? When are you going to do that? Because I have a lot of things I got to do. Make sense? So the solution became the Greek names. Philip. It's amazing. Philip and Stephen not just weighted tables, the way we look at it, I'm going to show you, I'm going to give you an illustration because people get it so mixed up. They actually became evangelists. They were doing both. The qualifications, because when we talk about serving, something happens to folks. They believe they can't do it. They're not qualified. Can I give you three qualifications? One, you have a good reputation. Two, how many I got, how many people here are full of the Holy Spirit? 
So if you're full of the Holy Spirit, I'm sure you're walking in wisdom. That means you qualify. Go get an application. <laughs> so it's not about your feelings. It's about God empowering you to do it. That was the qualifications of the guys. A lot of us, when we come here, like in worship team, I know when people are nervous, I'm not that good. You have a good reputation, which we're going to check because character is very important to us. You're full of the Holy Spirit. That means I know you have some wisdom. And they're doing the same thing you're doing. They don't have a special anointing fall on them. They got the same Holy Spirit and going after God the same way we all have to. So I want to help you with that. Because when we talk about getting involved in church, it's beyond me. See those guys back there that work on that back there? Now, the sound people, you can't keep them much longer. Because everything that happens on stage, everyone looks back there. You ever notice that? I was a sign guy. I had to go to counseling for three months after I was doing that. Because everyone blamed me. What's that noise? And they look at the sound guy. Everyone just turns around and look at the sound guy. I'm like, I'm sorry. I just hit the button. I didn't even do anything. So we're afraid of those guys. Afraid. I might mess something up. Well, we got something new coming to you. We have a brand new system, digital. We're going to put in place sometime in August. And it's all digital. And it does itself. And all you got to do is look famous. <laughs> yeah, I did all that mix. <laughs> and you could tell us that. But that's what the qualifications were. And then it's the first time you saw something, the perfect balance of lay leaders and clergy. You saw the combination of lay leaders and, and, and clergy. It's a difference in our Western mindset. Whenever you think of a clergyman or a pastor, you think of this. And then whenever you think of a lay leader, you think it is. So if you're not the, you, if you do this, you don't. If you don't think you're the pastor, you don't do this. You think this is nothing. And some pastors think this is not. This that's nothing. This is all there is. And you see in this church, the seven were doing both. The leaders were doing both. If I'm a leader, the greatest compliment I can get is someone says, move out the way, let me do it. Because I know there's both. But when we're trying to serve in a church, what I get from some guys with the resumes, I'm good at this. Put me on, champ. Put me in the game. I'm ready to go. How about there you go? Grab the brush and go scrub the toilet. And that will, let me tell you about this portion of it. This is where you become humble. Because <laughs> you can fake 30 minutes of this. And people, after a while, people will find out who you really are. But, there, I mean, you need both. So when you say clergy and layman, without the lay, then nothing can happen. will take place. Like people coming in here, getting the ACs going, getting things going, getting the communion going, praying over the building, doing those things for people to come in. So when you, when you come into a church, and I'm not asking the guests, if you've been coming for a while, and I know some folks are 
looking to join. We haven't had a membership class, but we think about it here that we do both. We want you to grab a broom, and we want you to grab the Bible and make disciples. The most full-blown disciples are the ones that know about the broom and they know about the Bible. Because can I be real with you? <laughs> the other day I was up here. Uh, I can't, when I see there's something in the toilet, I can't call someone to go get it, the thing out the toilet when I'm standing there. Hey, man, saw that in the toilet last week. Can you get, please get that out? <laughs> Sounds weird, don't it? And I know it exists today. But I me and Ms. Don, that's why she's back there doing children's church. So we don't forget what this is. That's how I grew up in this. You know, you guys know. Y'all knew me when I was back there in the, in the back. With, I was a bald-headed black guy standing up all the time. That's what they used to call me. If you want anything called get rich, that's the bald-headed black guy standing in the back. That was my identification, wasn't it? <laughs> there were people who been here. Yeah, it was. That, that was a little offensive, wasn't it? No, I'm, I'm, I'm past all that. As long as you don't call me the N-word. Just kidding. But, again, the N-word on that language is good. On this language is bad, okay? Different languages. Okay, that was a history lesson. <laughs> Complaint. The solution. There's no difference. God gets glory when you change a diaper. The people back there changing the diaper, we know the children, the people back there taking care of your children, we know that they're giving you a peace to come in and engage God. If you didn't feel safe, you wouldn't sit here because you'll run back there and see your children. You'll be back there all the time if you didn't feel safe here. And that is by design because we understand without them, this doesn't take place. And we want to raise up even young folks. Don't want them. They can have the, they can have the mission, but they got to learn the maintenance too. And that's mission and maintenance. And they ask Josh. Josh does worship, does the media, and he cleans his building. Y'all didn't know that. And sometimes we'll walk right by him, watching him do it, versus take a hand and help him. When we're, someone is up here during the week, y'all come, we'll come up here and do something here, but we'll just watch him and we'll leave it. I'm, I could be guilty of that too. That's why his word convicts so bad. They're building the church. This is where they came and merged two things, relationship and responsibility. Two things merged, the relationship and the responsibility. Tell you about the relationship. Everyone's into relationships, and I understand that. I want to relate to God, and I'm just going to relate to the church. But I'm not going to have the responsibility of the church because I want to come and go as I feel. I'm glad I don't treat my wife that way. And then what hurts my heart is not about you coming on Sunday morning. It's about really it's how you treat your people on Sunday morning or Wednesday night. It's how you actually treat God. Part-timer. The response, the re, everyone, I know the relationship, relationship, relationship. But the responsibility to share this with people because ministry is about people. And as you saw the two merge, the seven bared the load of the ministry because the man who's out or the men who are praying and getting in the Bible trying to lead out. And I am guilty of not 
doing the right thing in the right time. I can spend myself doing all tasks and come and Sunday morning is showing up. I'm like, oh, wow. Got a message coming up. Now, I'm a studier. I study way too much. But I like to, there's a preparation of the word, but there's a preparation of the man. And I miss the man part. It happened to me last, about last semester. I, told, I went to prayer meeting. They'll say, something's wrong with Pastor Rich. I was tired. I had run out of gas. I had nothing. Couldn't even, I couldn't even pray. They were praying, but they noticed something's wrong. Because I did task and task and task and trying to, and I forgot that God builds the church, not me. It's the one thing. But I was trying to do so many tasks, but I forgot to look out and say, which way are we going to go? And things stalled. And I said, boy, this guy is honest. You know, I just know about this stuff. Personally, know it by experience. And that happens in our lives. When you do too much, you get distracted. You don't do anything well. But that's what it is about the church. There's a, re- there's a relationship, but there's a responsibility of the relationship. And God called us to take responsibility for other people. <laughs> Same way you take responsibility for your children. He calls us that. And guess what happens? You feel significant doing it. When you come in and you're doing something, you feel, so- whoa. You ever notice you woman um, just dragging, then they get you in children's church or something? You're like, man, this is really good now. What happened? You're walking in the calling and the Holy Spirit's activating your soul. It's just like exercise. You got to exercise. You got to use it. How many, you know, one guy told me, I don't like baseball because it's boring. Because you sit there for nine innings, right? Unless you're really into it. It's like basketball. It's a little more action. But it's just like if you're in the church and you're sitting for nine innings. I'm going to go find me another pitcher because this guy is getting on my nerves. <laughs> then we come spiritual. Well, you know, they just didn't feed me. No, you over eight. <laughs> and I know this is tough because it's a lifetime thing. It's not a, a moment. You can foul out. You can, fall, you can fall apart doing service for other people. You can get spit on. You can get mistreated. You can get, and it happens. That's how, you know what happens? Your character gets developed. It's not for them. It's more for you. How to work in unforgiveness when someone slights you. That's when you learn in serving. What happens when he offends you? It's not about him. You want freedom? Forgive him. You learn that in the trenches. You don't learn it outside the trenches just hoping God changes me. You don't get your, your pride changed sitting around. You get in there and God will start to mix with you because he'll give you some people that you really don't want to be around. <laughs> and they don't want to be around you. But they're learning to come together. This is this church. Greeks and Hebraic Jews did not want to get along. But what, made, what was the difference? The Holy Spirit and the character development through it. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 6, for those who think they're not qualified. I use the New Living Translation on this because I want you to really get this. Because a lot of times, when you, if I, like me, if I get burned out, I feel like I'm getting tired because I'm, I'm trying to do the Holy Spirit's job. But it says this. Now, there's a different kind of spiritual gifts. 
Everyone's different. You'll do it your way. I just told the young man today, do it your way. Don't do it anybody else's way. But it's the same who? Who what? Is the source of them all. There are different kinds of what? Service in the church. But the same Lord we are serving. There are different kind, ways of God's works. Different way God works in our lives. But the same God who does the work through all of us. Now, if you use the ESV, he says he empowers us. He empower, and I got to make sure I'm empowered, not running on empty. But when you saw a church come together like this, the outcome was fantastic because things exploded. Because everyone was in place. Everyone knew what they were supposed to do. They, they recognized there was no mundane job. Every job in the church is important. It don't matter if you vacuum the floor or you change diapers. Every single job is important. Because it's glorifying God and helping to advance his kingdom. And anybody who looks down, that's, the ones that have to complain are the ones that are doing any, not doing anything. And, but it isn't about your works. It's about the Holy Spirit, the igniter. And you become a fire bearer. And you're, feeling, you're carrying the weight for God to work. And you're saying, man, life is exciting. Because the outcome was tremendous. Look at the outcome. And the word of God continues to what? And the number of disciples multiplied greatly. The first one that says increased in numbers was a marginal increase. A little multiplication. When you ever see greatly on there, multi, massive. Multiply greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Now, there was over 8,000 priests there in Jerusalem. Now, you figure the priests should know Jesus, right? Not really, unless when the Holy Spirit gets in your heart. The priests were being converted. The disciples, not a word you saw, there's disciples now. They went from the church to disciples. And when the disciples are making disciples, it makes multiplication. It's amazing. When I looked at this scripture, I said, wow. It makes you ask a question. And every leader has to ask this question. Why are you doing this? Why are you actually doing this? You guys don't know. I mean, I'm a retired guy. I'm 57. I could be working in Lockheed up in North Texas. Got offered a job years ago, in 89, I think. Turned it down. Why do you do this? That question came up. One of my favorite movies is uh, Black Hawk Down. And they go and they battle, they come in, and they got run out. And y'all know that part because y'all all cry over it. <laughs> and they get out, and everyone's celebrating. And the guy said, man, we got another team going in. And he picks up his magazine. And he goes, psh, psh. what are you doing? Going back. Why do you do it, man? Why do you do that? He said, man, Really? No one would really, what he was really saying, no one would really understand. It's a calling. It's like the military. It's a calling. You don't get paid enough for what you do 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's a calling to do this. 
But who calls you? God calls you, and he supplies everything you call. And he said, why, why do you do that? And I, and I looked, I cross-referenced, and I looked in the Bible in Matthew 20. Jesus poured out his heart to the guys. Hey, man, I am about to die. I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm about to be crucified. I'm going to die. I'm going to be risen the third day. And the guys are like, oh, man, Jesus is leaving. I know what we do. Why don't we ask him, who's going to sit on his right and left? Let's jump over the ship and become his leader. They didn't say pick up a broom and start. They didn't know they were going to be doing this in the book of Acts. Let's just jump over. Let's pick up your Bible. And we're gonna, can I sit on your left? They send their mother. It's their mother. They send their mother. John, the sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder. Even as son of man came not to be served, but to serve, but give his life as a ransom for many. They sons of thunder send their mother to ask Jesus, can he be, on, be royalty with them? He said, you can't do what I'm doing. He said, yeah, we can. And they did. But Jesus said this statement, which just rocked me when I heard it. I've read this scripture a hundred times. So you're talking about relationship and responsibility, and people just don't want to jump in, and so many open holes, and, and, and it brought back to me, why are uh, you doing anything in the body of Christ? Why do we do this? And Jesus said this, came not to be served. Son of God came not to be served, but to serve, and this is the one, and to give his life. To give his life. The least he did was give his life. I'm like, It's not about success. It's not about being seen. It's about giving my life. There's something bigger than me. And I look at the motivation of people has nothing to do with your qualifications. It's all about the love you have in your heart. For God, if you love God, you'll love the things of God. That's service. Because the Son of God came to serve. The King of kings and the Lord of lords came to serve and give his life. Not on a good day, on a bad day. No, he was going to die. He still went through the mission and played it out. And then he gave us all the equipment through the Holy Spirit to do it. I'm like, now it hit me like, ooh. Oh. Yeah, see, there's some of you now. It's not about what, you know. It's easy to just live a comfortable life. It really is. Get the nice car. Get the, get the house. And, and, and do what with it? Give it to someone else? But when your heart's changed by Jesus, who gave his life, my motivation, every leader has to ask this question. Then I found a quote by Mother Teresa. <laughs> love cannot remain by itself. You can't just say, I love you. I love you. See you in three weeks. I love you. It has no meaning. Love has to be put into action. And that action is service. You know when she died, someone else famous died. They didn't say about Mother Teresa. 
They would say, well, she wasn't that famous here on earth. She don't have to be famous here on earth. She's going to be famous in heaven where it really counts. It's amazing. How about you? I'm not talking about new attenders, and I'm not talking about those who are uh, a, mem- uh, uh, a guest. How about you guys who have been coming for a while? I told the guy, they told me, what do you want me to do, Pastor Rich? I said, you see the holes? Fill the holes and tell me later. Because I love taking a guy and pulling him back. I just have problems taking someone and shoving them forward. But it is, I can't even do that because it's all about the love in my heart. And I can't even use excuses because I was hurt before and someone turned me down before and I'm not going to get that closer. I can't even do that anymore because it ain't about me. If that's the way it was, Jesus wouldn't have died because he would have been offended. And call down heaven and say, just kill them all. We'll just start all over. The motivation is love. It's the love of God flowing out of us. And they established that. And there was no difference between this and this. I was crazy when I was young. I just wanted to do this. I just wanted to preach and leave them to someone else. Then I came to this church and I learned something from a guy named Jeff Little. Relationships, rich relationships. Yeah, that's good. That's fine. Can I preach? No, get in a life group and learn how to love people. Again, because you got hurt, dude. And there's no preacher that should not be without the both. Because if I'm not without both, you will be without both. When I say about doing the God test, if I didn't go to Cincinnati and learn how to do that, no one will do it. Because how can you do something you've never been, you've never done? That's leadership. Everyone's called to be great in God's eyes. But really, guys, it's all about love. I can't convince you. I can't even cry big enough to make you do it. It's all about the love in your heart for God. And you're going to have, when that's pouring out of you, you're going to pour into other people. This church is a little different. You might come from a place, well, my job is to work my way up to preacher. Our job is to make disciples sideways. Make, build a life of significance, not success, like my man Wayne told me. How about you? Where's your love at? Is it love for comfort and things? Because they're going to fade away like anything else. It's a calling, and we're all called by God. There's no such thing as full-time ministry. I have an office. That's all I have, but I have more responsibility. But I, have to, I don't have a higher anointing than you. I have to work as just harder than you do sometime to get it because I'm to get distracted very easily. How about you? How's your love? How's your love? I'm going to break all rules today on something. I want you to grab a, uh, thank you.
a communication card. Just grab one. Everyone grab one. The fall's about to start. And God has a whole lot of things he wants us to do. And I'm not asking anybody to make a commitment that's going to happen tomorrow. But we need to know as leaders who's interested in what. So we can plug you in the right spot if this is your home. Again, if you're a guest or you're a new attender, do not, you're not obligated to do this. Because I don't want to pressure you into doing anything like that. Because you're like, first of all, i got to figure out who you guys are. Now I understand that. There's a process that you're checking me out. I hope that's what you do. And you forgive the non-preach. Anyway, but if you've been coming a while, it doesn't matter. Don't relegate yourself to, I'll just do college. i just do this. There's a first impressions team that comes and ushers around here. We got children's ministry, youth ministry, those ministries you need to have a background check on. A hospitality ministry. All of it is to show the love of God in a practical way. And we need help. But we really need you to get all of God in you. And it's the only way you do it. Let me tell you something. Maturity does not come with age. It comes with accepting responsibility. Because I know a lot of 50-year-olds who are immature in their faith because they have never crossed over the line from hearer to doer. Write that down. What do you think God is showing you? But you just think that God is showing you in this moment might where I can plug in. And the only ones that are going to look at is the staff and myself. And then we make a promise to you to call you and get with you. We'll let you know when our new membership class is because we're starting up again in the fall. But we'll make a promise to contact everybody to help them get to where God has you to go because we want the best for you and God. If you can take that time, if you have a pen, to fill that card out, I'll just give you a minute. Just fill it out. How many don't have pens? Do we need pens? Where did the first person team go? Okay. They must have left. Oh, they're in the back. If someone has a pen and you're done with it, can you just pass it out, whoever raised it? I'm sorry. Should have had a pen out. Just put it out. And Jason, can you put two buckets on the back here? They can just take that and put it in a bucket. Thank you, sir. We're kind of unique here. We know that. The age groups and what well, we have fun. Again, we're trying to connect. You can put them on the table, champ. Put them on the, um, the community table. There you go. Thanks. What is God showing you? You notice we, need it. We, you notice we always need people to sing, play worship. We need a drummer. I got any drummers in here? Uh Uh-oh. 
Okay, we'll talk later, Elder Mark. <laughs> Can I say something? You're never too old to get started. It really is. If you can't answer that question this morning, go home. Why am I even walking with God? What am I doing? It smashed all my success stories. All those things, I'm look, sometimes my heart's wrong. I want to look for this and I want to look for that. And it's just like, dude, Jesus wasn't looking for that. He's looking for love. And through love, all things are taken care of. Give you a moment. Well, let me just close our eyes for a moment. Ask the Holy Spirit. God, what put me back in neutral? What made me stop moving? See, barriers will make will give you will give you a false sense of um, of life. In the, in the world, you hit a barrier. In the kingdom of God, we talk about we hit a step. Sometimes the step seems like it's a higher step. Have to learn something new. Remember, we're an organization, but we're an organism. So God says, just take the step. It's a hard step, but usually someone up on that top of that step to help pull you up. And life is lived on levels, but we arrive in stages. Is it pride? Isn't feeling unworthy? Let the Holy Spirit take that away. There's no such thing as that. God doesn't speak in negatives. He always speaks in encouragement. Father, I thank you for these precious people, God. Thank you that you're always softening our hearts, changing our mindsets, changing our paradigms. The word you always say is grace. You have grace for us. I pray for everyone here, God, that there's a barrier in their way. 
a perceived barrier. They will see like it's a step to a new place. It might cause some changes in our lives, but Father, it's for your glory and for your kingdom advances. I pray right now you empower everyone here. She says you empower some, you empower all. Give them a first sense of dreams they've had. Refresh the dream. Let them know they didn't miss the dream, but they're just walking out the process of the dream. I pray for your Holy Spirit just to refresh. Refresh them, God. Refresh them. I ask this morning, God, you remove any condemnation there is in their hearts. Thank you for their hearts, God. Let the burden of what you show them come upon their shoulders. But you know your burden is light. Because <laughs> you teach us to do the right things. You teach us how to serve. You empower us to serve. We praise you and we glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.